Welcome to Lawmen, the podcast about local legends and obscure curiosities from days of yore. I'm Alistair Beckett-King. And I'm Alistair's landlord and master, James Shakeshaft. Here's a cautionary tale about being just annoying. This comes from a book called Oxfordshire Stories of the Supernatural. That is quality front cover. It is a generic front cover, unfortunately. It's a picture, it's sort of a blurred picture of a ghostly, skeletal monk Mm. pointing at a book with a map that says Oxfordshire. And I thought, (laughs) oh, that's quite cool and a neat book. And then I got one in the same range, Derbyshire Stories of the Supernatural. They just changed the name on the map, then, did they? Changed the name on the map, yeah. And and on the cover of the book. Yeah. Yeah. But this one's by Betty Puttick. Mm. A good name. It's a Puttick, you know it's going to be good. Betty Puttick. And this is a story entitled Never Say Bah. This uh, happened in Oxfordshire as the skeletal monk. You're pointing at the book. Rightly pointing at the book. Yeah. And it was a guy called William Eden. His nickname was Noble. Noble Eden, he came to a sad end on his way home from Tame Market in 1828. And all because of his unfortunate sense of humour. Mm. Mm. Interest peaked? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. Um, so what it was, Eden was a market gardener. And one day when he was, you know, d- doing his gardening in his um, garden, uh, he saw two local wrongans, Sewell and Tyler, and they were stealing a sheep from one of his neighbours. So I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at this. I'm visualising two men carrying a sheep. Making off with a sheep, maybe yeah. putting it, it in a jacket. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot of fun. But the penalty for sheep stealing was transportation or death at this time. Mm. So, Ed, when the police came round... And that would be transportation to Australia? Yes, I guess. Okay. So, yeah. Not, um, not just a lift. <laughs> yeah, just you've got to live on a train. <laughs> So uh, Eden kept quiet when the police came round because, you know, he knew these people, they're local, they're my wrong ones, but he doesn't want to kill them. But he was a bit of a japester. And so whenever he saw these guys knocking around the place, he would bar like a sheep. Sort of to That's say... That's what that implies. Yeah. I've seen you, lads. Mm. They, he was amused by their, like, red faces and angry reactions. Foolishly amused by it because they very quickly realised that their liberty was reliant on his silence. And if they're the, if you're the sort of person that's going to risk death or transportation to nick a sheep, you're not going to be above killing someone to shut them up, are you? Probably not. And he did it for a bit. And then uh, he was about to return from Tame Market uh, on this fateful night. And he, had, he seemed to have some sort of premonition. He told the, the friend he was travelling with that he feared something bad was going to happen to him. And his friend said... And this is noted here. His companion offered to continue all the way home, but Eden laughed it off and sent him on his way. However, Eden's premonition came true. Sewell and Tyler were lying in wait for him, and as he reached angsty bushes, uh, he was set upon and murdered. Now, one of my favourite opening words for a paragraph in these sort of stories. Meanwhile, Mm. Mrs. Eden was at home in the kitchen... And she saw a frightening vision. She looked up and saw her husband walking towards her 
and behind him, unbeknownst to him, was Tyler with a heavy stone hammer about to bring it down on her husband's head. And then he did. He did bring it down on her husband's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she screamed, obviously. As, and as the, the she ran out screaming, my husband's been murdered, my husband's been murdered. There was a search and they found the body of Noble. And as it says in this reporting of the story, it was too late. He'd been savagely bludgeoned to death. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't... Well, it's not it's, I think it's an inappropriate sentence. Um, so she and she was convinced it was Tyler because she'd seen him in the vision. But unfortunately, um, a vision was not considered to be evidence uh, in 1828. So the verdict at the inquest was murder by person or persons unknown. Now, she was not going to let it rest there, the widow. In those days, it was believed that the body of the victim of a murder would bleed when touched by the murderer as a sort mm. of sign that this was, you know, the murderer. So she challenged Tyler to come and touch her husband's corpse. He didn't. Uh, <laughs> what, what could be more suspicious than refusing to touch someone's corpse? I don't know. Like a man who barred at you <laughs> all the time. His mad wife. Uh, and then, sometime afterwards, his son, their son, Eden's son, uh, was driving home. And two wet men waylaid him in the dark and threatened to, you know, the same thing that had happened to his father. He didn't see their faces and he managed to beat them off. Not my words, the words of Betty Puttick. <laughs> um, and he escaped, but he was convinced by the, his, their voices that these attackers were Sewell and Tyler. And then, before too long, Sewell was imprisoned. And in prison, he sang like a canary he hinted that tyler was implicated uh, in this murder and tyler was subsequently arrested but discharged because there was a lack of evidence mm. and tyler's reaction to this was he adorned his hat and coat with colored ribbons and danced around <laughs> outside the houses of people that had given evidence against him <laughs> you testify against the boss you're going to regret it what's he going to he's going to dance around inside your house with a series of ribbons adorning his, uh, his clothing and it's going to be very mocking so uh, you are not going to enjoy that so yeah so it seems they got away but then Sewell was captured again stealing chickens this time and this time he really realised Look, I've got more evidence against Tyler. It was Tyler that... Because this time he was going to get transported for mm-hmm. 14 years. He just went all in. He said, I've got evidence against Tyler. I witnessed him killing him. This is me quoting Sewell. I witnessed Tyler kill him with a stone hammer. And this time they were both charged, found guilty, and sentenced to death. So Sewell, he he, he turned state's evidence... But then he got... But sent- then they yeah. still sentenced him to death. Yeah, on the 8th of March, 1830, a crowd of 5,000 people gathered outside Aylesbury Prison to see them hanged. Mm. Tyler swore that he was innocent right up till his death. But the, the he was basically hanged on the basis of a madman's mad widow's vision mm. and a partner who wanted to get out of getting sent to Australia for 14 years. I mean, so so he wanted to get out of being sent to Australia, and in the end, he he was killed. He was which killed. Is a, a narrow escape, if ever there was. One. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the the ghost of Noble Eden, uh, if you encounter it at the crossroads on the Tame to Aylesbury Road, this is a sign of good luck. Does he does he bar at you? I don't think he bars from beyond the grave. No, <laughs> but I've always noticed he's, he's up there behind still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have noticed when you see a a bunch of sheep in a field mm. and they do bar there is always one that sounds like a bloke doing an impression of a sheep there's like <laughs> and then one just goes bar <laughs> I just imagine that's a bloke in it gone, gone deep cover yeah so yeah that's the um, 
That's the story of Noble Eden. I, do, I think Noble must be an ironic nickname in the in the. It's a, it's, a, it's a fairly ignoble end. Yes. Scores for Never Say Bar. <laughs> I can't believe that Never Say Bar is, is it, what the locals call this. It's, it's not a James Bond film. <laughs> That's it. James Bond never does say bar at any point. That's true. In any of the yeah. films. So it could be a name of any one of them. Mm. All right. So what, what categories have you got? Okay. Supernatural. Supernatural. You've got a ghost. Yeah. Admittedly, he's just tagged on at the end. Sort of tacked on at the end, yeah. Sort of brackets and also with a ghost. And he's a good luck ghost as well. Yeah, he's a nice ghost. And we have a vision. Yep. Which is certainly outside of the realms of science. Yes. And uh, we have corpses bleeding when you when you poke them. The idea of it, but the it's, idea it, that it doesn't, doesn't actually, actually happen. happen. Yeah. And, and anything else you want to pitch for being supernatural? There's the Eden's premonition that something might happen that he very well, quickly yes, brushes off. He had off. a premonition and then she had a vision. And then he becomes a ghost. I, I'm looking at the book that, you, that is lying open here and I can see that something you said that I didn't realise was a direct quote was uh, a vision was not considered to be evidence. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's a three. I think it's a three. Yeah. but uh, And I think you should be glad of that. Yeah, I, yeah, no, this is more of a true crime. It's more of a, it is more hard-boiled. <laughs> more gritty. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of spice about it, but yeah, three's fair enough. Naming. I think the names are quite good. Well, first of all, the name of the story is brilliant. Never say bar. By Betty Puttick. By Betty Puttick. So as told by Betty uh, Puttick. As told, yes. William Noble Eden. He's not particularly noble. No, it's well, maybe he had no ball. Someone stole it, and he yeah. would not dob him in, though. Which yes, would, yeah, that's, oh, that's my baby Wiley's noble, because he doesn't grasp. Well, I don't think that's particularly noble. The noble thing to do would be to bring people to justice. Um, we've got uh, Tyler and Eden and Suet, was the other guy? Sewell. Sewell. Sewell and Tyler. How is Sewell spelt? Sewell. S-E-W-E-L-L. Oh, right, yeah. As in Brian. As in Bri- Imagine if he more... spoke like Brian Sewell. <laughs> yeah. The whole story. Well, that would be how the kid recognised him in the dark. <laughs> the threat. I think we should stop saying things about us doing um, the murder and the uh, sheep theft. Wasn't us. We will treat you as we had treat your father. <laughs> Both of them sounded like Brian Sewell. Yeah. Tyler. Nice rural name. Tyler. Tyler as well. Yeah, with an O. O R at the end. Anxy Bushes. Anxy Bushes. Yeah. Tame as a place name I always find amusing. Hmm. That's right, it's spelt fame, right? It's spelt fame, but it's... I think these are all good names. I think it's a four. Yes. I think it's, I think it's a good, strong four. Solid four. If we'd known Mrs. Eden's first name, that might have been a little yeah, bit Yeah, if, if her name was called something like um, Hackety, mm. then I mm. would have given that five. This category is Quest for Justice slash Corpse Poking. <laughs> I like it, because as you say, it's, an, it's a noirish thriller, and mm. it sort of follows the the killing style. There's been a murder, and we just unravel it over mm. a series of ludicrous episodes. And eventually she does get her man. Yeah, a um, man who claims he was completely innocent mm. is hanged to death. Yes, so a happy ending for all concerned. Yes. Well, I didn't, I didn't know about the corpse poking thing. That, no. That, that people believe that touching a corpse would cause it to bleed. If you're if the you killer, were the murderer. If you're the murderer... And they also used to believe that um, the eyes contained an image of the last person, the last thing you saw when you died. Oh, and really? so they spent ages photographing dead people's eyes, hoping that an image of the murderer would... It, it, a bit later than this, in the 19th century, hoping that uh, an image of the murderer would be in the eye. Mm. But it turned out not. Or it was a cameraman. <laughs> did a load of... I can't believe I did all these murders. Yeah, well, it looks like it was me. 
so the corpse poking is cool, and her quest for justice is, uh, and says so she's fairly tenacious. Is uh, it's also the the actions of a mad woman? <laughs> it is also the actions of a mad woman, but I think that's what makes her a gripping protagonist. I think it's five. Although on the other hand, it is the the sad story of a mad lady hounding a person to his death. We've also we've only got um, Eden's word that there even was a sheep rustling in the first place. It may be that these are just two innocent guys. He just started barring at them <laughs> like a weirdo mm. and then was killed for being annoying. Someone else might have killed him because he was just he was a, a madcap fool. And then this this Mrs. Eden gets it in her head that it was Tyler that what done it. I don't think so. Cause, and here's, I'm about to lay my evidence okay. on the table in front of you. Mm. That evidence is some ribbons. As long as your evidence wasn't a vision. No. Because uh, that the, is... It's the solid gold evidence that the dancing in ribbons is as good as a confession. That is incontrovertible cast iron evidence. So wait a minute, because he's happy that he didn't get... What? It's the taunting. The, ta- the taunting makes me convinced that he definitely did it. I'm like the people commenting on that Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix. I don't care. I'm convinced. <laughs> he did it. But maybe he was going to go dance with ribbons anyway, and it just happened to be by there. <laughs> it's five out of five. I, oh. I don't know why you're trying to talk me out of it. it I don't it, know why. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced he was gu- he was guilty. <sighs> okay. I don't know why I sighed there. <laughs> I'm getting points. I'm getting five out of five. I'll take those five out of fives. Uh, and the final category, Heckler Put Down. Mm. Explain, explain the category title to me. Well, because... It's described in the story, and again, we've only got the word of uh, Eden that this barring is a joke. Well, because it's not a very good joke. You, you and I know that if in comedy gigs, mm. if someone say, if if you say where are you from, and someone says Wales, some mm. wag at the back of the room will make a sheep noise. Yes, and no one ever laughs. No, and yeah, that joke happens consistently whenever anyone mentions Wales, for yes. instance. Yes, which is, must be very annoying for the Welsh. Yes. So it is as as heckles go. It's a rubbish heckle. Anybody who does it deserves to be violently bludgeoned. Whenever it says in this version of the story, whenever he encountered them, he would bar like a sheep. It was a small town. They were moving in the same circles. He would just be barring. I mean, Eden sounds like a bit of a probably one of those guys who, after the gig, come up to you and shake your hand as if they thought they were helping. I was helping in your sh- in your yeah. sheep rustling, uh, and it just got too much. Yeah, and mm. they... as bad jokes go, every comedian has died on stage. Mm. Not that many people have been actually murdered because of their joke. No. So it, it, the consequences were very serious for Noble. So wait a minute, in this... No, but he's not the comedian, he's the oh, heckler. Yeah, he's a heckler now. In this metaphor. Yeah, I've, I've, I think, I've mixed my analogies, I apologise. T- so let's just get this metaphor straight. Tyler or Sewell are the comedians... Yes. ...doing their hilarious sheep rustling routine. Yes. Noble Eden wants to be part of the fun, so bars... Yeah. ...at them whenever he sees them... They need to nip that heckle in the bud because it's ruining their act. Yeah. Sheep stealing. They kill him with they, a they hammer. S- they slam him uh, with a hammer. W- yeah. a pre, uh, Or in comedy terms, a pre-prepared insult. Yes. P- 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 perhaps. And then, as mother. often happens in these situations, his wife chips in. Yeah. And they pull And tries and you to get you to touch him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like happens in normal gigs. And so they, like most of us do in that situation, fall back on the ribbon dancing material. Yeah. You've made a strong case. I think it's a four. Red like a five. In this story, we meet the greatest writer in Wessex. 
story for you here. Well, not exactly a story. I have a, I have a local legend. Yes. In the form of a woman. Right. The the author of of, of many books, and her name her name I have I have one of her books. I say books. You can see from the thickness of it. It's um, I would say it's four millimeters thick. It's yeah. it's in the pamphlet area. Yeah, that's. Wait a minute. If a booklet is a little book, what's a pamph? With bigger, most is it um, held together with staples? The yes, that's we have a, got staples. That's a pamphlet. That's a pamphlet. Really. Yes. That's a, well, no, that's one up from a pamphlet. It may be a book, a booklet. Mm. Yeah, it's like a, a little, a little baby book. And her name is uh, Patricia M. Wilnecker. Mm. Uh, yeah, when I when I read the name, I said to Rachel, my girlfriend, I said, Wilnecker, I hardly know her. She wasn't familiar with that format of joke. It's a standard joke. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. yeah. So I will refer to her as Patricia and Will Necker. I hardly know her would that throughout, throughout the rest of the... The reason I think she's uh, she's a legend is... Uh, well, this is The book that I picked up is called Freshly Unearthed, Ghostly Tales of Wessex. From the font, it's not clear whether Freshly Unearthed is a series of books, and this mm. is one of them, or whether that's just a full title. So, in, in Ghostly Tales of Wessex, Patricia and Will Necker has gone round... Mm. Did, did you say... I, I, I say would that I could um, <laughs> for this one. There are other variations. She's gone around interviewing the elderly people of Poole, where she lives. In uh, Dorset. In Dorset. I would oh, have I'm bloody sorry. loved the place. Shall we do that again? No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the that's the similar to the Wilnecker uh, paradox. It's another classic... Do- Not paradox. This, this one... <laughs> The Wilnecker... Wilnecker Paradox, possible title for this episode. I don't know, yours is um, less applicable because it's someone's got to mention Dorset for it to work. Not even... That's, it's even worse than that. They have to mention somewhere that you know is in, in the Dorset. county of Dorset. I would, I would, I bloody love the place. Um, should, should, we just, should I just set you up properly and we'll do it properly? I'm keeping all this in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so she's interviewed lots of people in, in, the, in the town of Poole. In Dorset? Yes, it is in Dorset. <laughs> Sorry, did I, did I do it wrong? I don't know what, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to say... <laughs> you go, I go, It's that's the thing. It's one of them jokes where both people are telling the jokes. Right, sorry. Sort of like I a knock-knock. I knock. didn't realise there was pressure on me to do it. Oh, my mate was telling me. He's got like a kid, a son, who is just getting into jokes and knock-knock jokes. And for some reason, so the kid's grandparents... Somehow, they don't understand knock-knock jokes. <laughs> or they never want to be told them. Because he'll go up and go, knock-knock. And they'll go, yeah, I'm, op- I'm opening the door. Hello? <laughs> and they go, no, who's there? So they go, oh, right, okay. So he goes, knock-knock. They go, who's there? And he says, you know, doctor. And they go, no one's ill, it's okay. <laughs> like they, ju- it, they, And they're not playing hard to get. Like It's like they genuinely don't know how a knock-knock joke should work. Should That's be done. Extraordinary incompetence. Or, just, or cruel <laughs> on this kid. But um, but it's, they're right, you should nip it in the bud because he's about to get to the point where he thinks he can make up his own jokes as two comedians. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Open mic children. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> no, the endorse it. Um, of course, I would have bloody loved the place. That's the thing. It's a call and response where both people have to sort of know the joke so it is literally pointless <laughs> in doing it. So there's someone so someone mentions a town in the county of Dorset and the listener says in a, as a question in Dorset and the other person i.e. me that pretends first... to mishear that as a request to endorse the place said, and they I say do. I bloody love the place. Yes. Well I just said it then so you could just edit that back onto It was a bit quiet <laughs> and it, to be honest 
I don't want to give you notes, but you didn't sound like you meant it. No, I've, no, I've not been to Dorset. So I don't have any strong opinions one way or the other. Um, on the other hand, I'll tell you who does, and that's Patricia M. Wilnecker. What that good. And um, what, what I like about her is her, her prose is surprisingly engaging. She's written several books. Um, most of them are about either the school that she went to as a, as a girl <laughs> or her dog, Bounty, her Jack Russell. To, to the extent that both the, the school she went to and her dog, Bounty, the Jack Russell, are both mentioned on the back cover of the book, <laughs> even though it's about neither of them. Um, and uh, there's a lovely picture of her. There's a lovely picture of well, she's a picture of her and Bounty, where she, Bounty is centre frame, and she's veering. She's actually being cut by the edge of the frame. That's how important Bounty is that she's not even in it. And there is a picture of a building in the background. Uh, <laughs> Which could that be Parkstone Grammar School in Poole, Dorset? <laughs> it must be. Her bibliography include uh, a history of Upper Parkstone, the school. Upper Parkstone in the Second World War. More recollections of Upper Parkstone. That's the third instalment. Bounty, the tale of a dog. Uh, and if you if you Google her, that's the main one that comes up, Bounty, the tale of a dog. But she followed it up with Wessex Walkies for you and your dog. And more Wessex Walkies for you and your dog. <laughs> and she's written um, a bit of historical fiction and, uh, and non-fiction about things that have happened in, in pool. But what I like about her is she is a master or mistress of irrelevant details. And I think this is demonstrated even in the title of the stories. These are the ones that are selected on the back as examples of the stories in the book. All right. The man on the bicycle. (laughs) The ghost that scared the plumber. (laughs) The gypsy's phantom devil horse, which has a nice rhythm to it. Now that's got spice. And the old Dorset school. Oh, I wonder which school. (laughs) In Dorset. (laughs) It is. definitely would. My favourite one by far, and it's the last story in the book, The Strange Spoon. <laughs> oh, no. Um, which is just just about a, a spoon. While she was writing the ghost story, she found a, a spoon. In the last place you would think to find a spoon, her coffee jar. What? Where she definitely didn't keep a spoon. So she found she cla- a spoon. <laughs> she claims to have been visited by a spoon. Uh, she, I was about to make a cup of coffee, and there it was inside the jar. Um, I've actually I've closed the book as if to say case closed, <laughs> and it is um, it is still there to this day as far as I know. Wow! In that in the same coffee jar, her writing is actually quite engaging. I like her irrelevant details, and I also like her use of capital letters. This is written in 1995. She's really captured the 21st century 9/11 truther <laughs> style of capitalization. <laughs> so whenever something spooky comes in, she capitalizes it so you don't miss the spooky. Right. But if you have a look here, you can see that the first two pages have no capitalization. That's oh. because there's almost no spookiness happening, thanks to the irrelevant details. <laughs> Surely italics are the. Tell it to Wilnecker. It's possible she didn't know how to get italics on Word. <laughs> I wouldn't rule that out. So I'm, I'm going to just, uh, as a sample, uh, I'd like to read some of the Market Street hauntings from Poole. Yeah, I just left a little space in case you want to do the endorsement joke. I'll just edit Just it edit, from, just from edit from the exact same version. <laughs> yeah. in. Here we go. This is the, uh, the story that she was told by an architect who lives in Market Street. One night, he told me, a very strange thing happened. My son had been home on vacation writing one of his theses. I love the way parents drop that sort of thing. And, mm. Oh, oh, he's writing several theses. <laughs> he liked to work in the spare bedroom, which was used as a library slash workroom, and had gone out for the evening with a friend while I started work renovating a staircase, removing paint from the Victorian balusters. He continued walking on one of them for a couple of hours, and still it was not finished. I'm going to bed early, said his wife as she passed by. I'm getting a shocking cold. You'd better put up the bed in the spare room. Don't want to catch it, do you? He agreed and went on working, taking about another 15 minutes to complete the job. 
The pine looked lovely, and he couldn't resist running his fingers over the silkiness of the wood, thinking he might have been the first person to have touched the actual baluster in 200 years. He stroked the pine again, but now, as his fingers moved down the shaft of the miniature Tuscan column... Hmm. James? Hmm? As his fingers moved down the shaft of the miniature Tuscan column, so icy hands caressed his spine, moving endlessly. It was horrible, he told me. He went straight to the bathroom, turned on the hot tap, stripped and got in, feeling a sense of relief as the heat of the water restored him to normality. In bed, he felt better, and must have slept until the early hours, when suddenly, without warning, heavy iron-clad boots clobbered clumsily overhead. Good alliteration. Mm. Strong men struggled, some siblings, Mm. to move heavy chests, turning them on their corners, grinding in the gritty dust, splintering the boards and occasionally losing control, crashing the chests to the floor. He heard men's boots clattering as they lost their footing. It was terrifying. No attic floor could stand the impact. Panic-stricken, he jumped out of bed. Instantly, there was an uncanny silence. Cautiously, he climbed back into bed, and instantly the thunderous noise started up again. He shot out of bed and scurried into his wife's room, head cold or no head cold, hugging her tight for warmth and comfort. Been dreaming, she slurred, and was asleep again. Next morning, he went out on the landing. To his horror, it was strewn with books and two chair seats. In one of the other rooms, an old teddy bear had been stuffed headfirst into the waste paper basket. Oh. In the spare room where he had started the night, his son's theses papers... Just <laughs> banging on about them. His son's theses papers had been placed on the floor, still in order, and each of the three chairs they had been on was wet. You've not made it to the bathroom, was his wife's sceptic comment. That has, it now has three asterisks indicating that's, that's your lot for that story. The end. <laughs> she then correlates a variety of other encounters in the same area that feature the same noises. So several months later, the previous owners of the house, who were friends of theirs, were invited to tea. The husband noticed they made alterations and was given a guided tour. As they passed the open door of the spare room, seeing it furnished, he said with a wry smile, so you've cured the water problem. Ah. Which we, I think the implication here is that he means ghosts, not terrible plumbing in the house that I just sold you. And I'm going to, I'm going to read two, two more of the things to do with Market Street, uh, which are a little tenuous. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and to indicate capitalization, I will be shouting. <laughs> in 1883, the Crown Hotel in Market Street experienced a piano playing phantom in a room that contained no piano. The sound of two panic stricken children, plus noises in the attic of clumping feet and the moving of great chests! Exclamation mark. Right. Furthermore, while looking through court documents of 1639 relating to the thefts of five barrels of gunpowder, she discovered the story of a certain William Fox, uh, who said upon his oath that he had been at William Padner's house until about ten of the clock. On departing, he met with Clement Short, a mariner, and went with him to his house. He stayed a while, talking of Newfoundland and sea matters, until about one of the clock. On the way to his lodgings, he heard whispering, rummaging, and a tumbling noise in one of the attics at Brown's Little Lane. Unfortunately, this name does not now exist. Did it lead into Market Street? There were two long barrels, three bigger ones, four smaller ones stored in paradise cellars containing various substances described as soap, mustard seed, and gunpowder. Could the guilty parties of long ago still be trying to move their ill-gotten wares? Mm. I mean, that took place in a different street. It didn't even take place in necessarily Market Street. Just a street that could theoretically have led to Market Street. So that was fairly disappointingly weak. Yes. But I was nervous oh. that it might be a weak a weak ending. So what I wanted to check was whether whether she was still with us because this was written in 1995. Yes, she she has the the prose of a doddery ant, engaging and yet rambling. Yeah, and so I thought it's possible that she's no longer with us. She's um, well, she she hopes that when she dies, she'll find herself walking in in a spirit with bounty, spirit of her little dog, 
Can dogs become ghosts, you ask? She specifically deals with this. Oh, good. I hope Bounty Spirit will be there alongside me. Unlike most other animals, dogs and cats dream, so I'm sure they have souls too. Case closed. Brilliant. But I wanted to check, because I didn't want to be disrespectful, I wanted to check whether she was still with us, or I thought there might be a, a, an obituary if she had mm. she had passed away. And libel. And, and uh, Yeah, exactly. And so I, I googled her, and if you google her, the, the first sort of ten results are Amazon and Abe.com for Bounty Tale of a Dog. And then one of them is a Daily Mail headline. Okay. And the headline is, Pensioner 81, banned from Dorset Beauty Spot. It's about Patricia Wilmot. Whoa! And I, I thought, being the Daily Mail, I expected that she would have been banned from the beauty spot because of political correctness gone mad, mm. or because benefit scroungers had built a mosque over the entrance, preventing her <laughs> yeah. entrance and egress, or maybe trapping her in there. Mm. Uh, that's not it. When you click on the link, which I have done, I apologise, mm. you get the full headline. Pensioner 81, who visited the same beauty spot for 70 years is banned from ever returning after the landowner accused her of mowing down his son with her car. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is political correctness, isn't it? If you can't mow down a landowner's son. Patricia Wilmaker has visited Lamona Cove every year since 1948. She even moved to the area and wrote a book about the Cornish coast. You don't say. But landowner claims she deliberately knocked down his son, Daniel, 36. The best thing about this is she's been she's been banned, and it uses Will Necker style writing. The word "banned" is capitalised. <laughs> Pensioner eighty one banned from ever returning unless she tells him she's sorry. <laughs> That's the best thing about it. Roy Stevenson said she can come back if she tells him she's sorry. She vehemently denies running down Daniel mm-hmm. um, and will not apologise. Fair enough. There are other ways of getting retribution for those sort of things. I think. Like the law, <laughs> like how you're not allowed to run people over. You don't think, have to just apologise, like you can. Also, I think like, likewise, what other misdemeanors could be punished by banning you from Dorset beauty spots. So that's actually quite... I, t- I tell you what. Oh, no. Oh, Really no. terrible news. Patricia Wilnecker, 81, pictured with her dog, Shorty. Oh, it looks exactly like Bounty, though. Or maybe it's just better. Maybe she just replaced it with a better one and run the other one down. That's really sad. So, so Bounty is is already in the spirit there. realm. In, in the spirit realm, well, waiting for. Well, this is 2015, so she, she might have joined. She mm. might have joined them. Mm. And well, thank, thankfully, Daniel survived the, the encounter, which may or may not have happened. Well, because yeah, because if he'd have got run over to death. Then he could be out there kicking bounty in the afterwards <laughs> revenge. So I, I, so I'm presenting. Uh, it, normally we we do a local legend, but I mm. think Patricia Wilnecker herself qualifies as a local legend. Yeah, there's the legend of whether or not she ran over a man. <laughs> I mean that that in itself, if that had happened a uh, hundred years earlier, you, you'd be you'd be telling me that now as uh, as, as one of your stories. Yes, because of libel. <laughs> Yeah, so she, she, I'm not. She didn't. She didn't, as far as we know. As far as she says, we know that. Alle- allegedly, let's just. I'm just going to say the word allegedly, and you yeah. can edit appropriately. Allegedly. To the scores. Yes. So now I must ask you for your scores for yes. Ghostly Tales of Wessex slash Patricia M. Wilnecker brackets given half a chance <laughs> slash I hardly know her. Uh, I, I'm, Should I give that a different title? <laughs> no, I think that I think that's in keeping. Yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised you didn't all shout. That, all that was in caps. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you uh, just were in a different room. So my first category is naming, 
Okay, Will Necker. Will Necker, good. Pool. pool. Endorse it. Endorse it. I've got the chance to say it's that many times. Thanks to names. As an author, the names she gives to her stories compelling The Vanishing Boy. A Strange Spoon. But some of them are quite dramatic. Uh, the Many Ghosts of Lichet Matravers. Ooh. That sounds brilliant. The Ghostly Nun in Bournemouth Gardens. Coincidences? If I, were, if I were offered the opportunity to read a story called The Ghost That Scared the Plumber, I, I would. Exactly. The Man Who Met Himself Coming Back, exclamation mark. Oh, that's Exclamation quite... mark in the title. That's really good. That sounds like a Morrissey song. It's even got mysteriousness in its naming format. Freshly Unearthed Ghostly Tales of Wessex. Yeah, we're not sure on what's Freshly Unearthed. Yeah, I'd, I'd give you, I think, a four. What? I think... Because what no one, more could I have done? No one in the story has a name. This son, this architect, they're just well, she's ciphers. Protecting, she's, they're, not, they're real people, James. She's mm. protecting their identity. Not like, not like you and me, who have trotted out her dirty laundry mm. in front of the microphone. She's protecting that the architect who lives... Because it's... I mean, it's, you can probably find the architect who lives on Market Street Pool in Dorset easily. The least you can do is not put his name or her name. It was a man. And then there was the uh, the road street name thing. She just probably couldn't find it. It's not that it's not there anymore. Do a bit more research, Patricia. If you even read the book, James, you would know that she's never out of the court documents room translating historical documents into modern English. I put my money on Will next. She's not run someone over in there then, so she's still allowed <laughs> she's, in. She's still allowed in currently. No, it's going to be four. Four! Yeah. Ah. Next, traditional category, supernatural. Oh, hi. It's got to be five. It is all about ghosts. There's literally a ghost everywhere you turn, or um, a noise. Um, yeah, or, like, stop or a nightmare. And <laughs> or some, someone clearly being asleep. And paint fumes. But I've only read you one of the stories. And, and a leak. There's a whole book of supernatural tales there. There's not a whole book. There's an entire pamphlet. <laughs> yeah. Whilst it was supernatural, there wasn't the sort of explanation, the, the reasoning for these ghosts. That makes it seem more like it was just a man falling asleep in a different room and having a bit of a nightmare. He inhaled some paint fumes, had a bath, slept in a different room and moved some stuff around, had a nightmare. Very well told. I could very much imagine the sounds of the heavy ironclad boots and the, the heavy chest, the corners splintering the planks, planks, floorboards, ceiling boards. Depends what the, what the attic floor is like. Thing That detail there, though, that's what messes her up. Because when she comes to explain it, she definitely describes them as barrels. No corners on a barrel to splinter the ceiling wood. The thing we know about barrel. You've got me. You've nailed me. (sighs) They say it happened in an attic. The original events happened in a cellar. Doesn't add up, Patricia. I feel like um, I'm I'm on the stand and you've cross-examined me. Well, you've just been Grishamed. (laughs) (laughs) That's my new catchphrase. So you started out saying that it was going to be a high score for Supernatural. I quote, it's all Supernatural. It's yeah. got to be high, James Shakespeare. Yeah. So but then I columbo you, myself. Then you columbo yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's even this, the, even the, the, the previous owner as well casts his cheeky comment about the, oh, I see you solved the water problem. That is put there as to prop up the idea of supernatural events, chairs getting mm. wet in the spare room. But then again, it also, it does sound like the brag of someone who's just ripped someone off. Okay, that's not, yeah, I, I, I agree that's not, that's not conclusive. But James, the strange spoon. Turned up in the coffee. In the coffee jar, yeah. but she was sure it hadn't been in the coffee jar before. I've so explain that with your so-called science. I can only explain that with five out of five for supernaturals. <laughs> There's no other explanation Are you actually giving me five out of five? No, I, no. Are you sarcastic? Because I'll take it even in sarcasm. 
put it in caps. If only there was such a thing as caps for numbers. We need capital numbers. Brilliant. Uh, so it's five. five yeah, that is definitely. It's yes. a five because it's all about. Thank those. you, the strange spoon. We can't get into the game of saying it might be someone just imagining it for every ghost <laughs> yeah, thing because yeah. it usually is. That, that way, no podcast lies. The blog factor. Oh, blog factor. Yes, because I feel like if it if she were if she were writing now and bless her, let's hope she is. She's more being written about than writing, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, well, let's not let's not talk about that. The, the incident. If she were writing now, some people would hope it were a confession, <laughs> or at least an apology to Daniel. Thirty nine. <laughs> she doesn't have a blog, which is a tragedy. Really? Feel, no. Yeah. Um, well, she's she's she was eighty one. She's she was eighty one three years ago. But I feel like it, it, the the content. That she's delivering in mm. pamphlet form, mm. it almost sort of prefigures the blog. Yeah, and and really would 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 sit happily in a in a blog. You can very much imagine that this as a blog with with her unable to find a way to change the font and so just oh, putting things in caps. Yeah, it's it's in Comic Sans. Mm. The headlines are in papyrus, maybe. Yeah, there is clip art and so much clip art. There's definitely a dog background. I think there might even be an animated GIF of Bounty. <laughs> Or Just a dog-like popping. bounty. Yeah, yeah, not actually bounty, yeah. obviously. All our hyperlinks are dead. That's their difficult to... second album. <laughs> <laughs> All my hyperlinks are dead. <laughs> What's your score then for the blog factor? Oh, five, obviously. Five. Stapled pamphlets were the blogs of the 90s for people who couldn't set up a blog in the 90s because it was also a possible thing to do. <laughs> Think of the speed of dial-up in pool. That's true. In 1995. <laughs> No, I wouldn't. It's terrible. Um, I'm not surprised she hasn't got a blog, though, to because if you're good at doing something, you don't do it for free. You put it in a pamphlet and send it for a quid in an Oxfam. Yeah, how much did I buy it for, actually? A quid in an Oxfam. A quid in an Oxfam. <laughs> I thought that was a guess rather than that you had just read the I label saw it, yeah. off the back of the book. Yeah, I usually suspected you. Yeah, you did. Uh, but you also undermined the whole premise of the podcast medium. What? By suggesting that if you're good at something, you wouldn't do it for free. Oh, yeah. I was silent in in a moment of sad self-awareness. Oh. Yeah, we could sell this for a quid in Oxfam. <laughs> Just on a cassette. My final category. <laughs> Ghostly incontinence. Oh, yes. Because the ghosts in, this, in, in, the, in the Market Street hauntings... Mm are different to most of the ghosts we've met in that they mainly manifest in the form of a wet chair. So moistened upholstery is unique to those to that story. Because they, they'd moved some books around. They'd moved books around. They'd put a teddy bear head first in a waste paper basket. Oh, yeah, so, that's, so that put a human face on it for me. I've simultaneously been imagining that being the beloved teddy bear of the sun, who I now remember is writing several theses, probably grown out of the teddy bear. I'm guessing three theses as well. Because there were three chairs... That mm. they'd been moved off of in order for the ghosts, these conscientious ghosts, to have a wee on or something. We don't, ghosts... I don't know what we're to believe the water is. Bearing in mind that he did come out of the shower. Yeah, after inhaling paint fumes and feeling dizzy. Or paint paint stripper, in fact, so even worse oh, than yeah, even worse than paint fumes. Again, it's not our job to debunk or cast no. any doubt whatsoever on the validity of the stories. Yes, but also I think incontinence. Runs as a theme throughout the book in the root sense of incontinence, meaning a lack of control. Yes, you know. So the so the ghosts are uh, they're rearranging books and theses quite yeah. quite neatly, mm-hmm. but still chaotically. They're putting a teddy bear upside down in a a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Then barrels are being 
having their contents transferred to chests and then been moved from the cellar to the attic for no apparent reason. Yeah, in multiple different houses on the same street, potentially. Yeah, so explain that. Well, that is truly unexplainable because they're all random (laughs) facts. They're they're as explainable as a series of unconnected things presented in a concise form. Yeah, I give you one for each chair. So what? three points. I'm getting... Th- or is there... No, it's four points, isn't it? Because there was another chair that had the inside taken out or something. There were, uh, hey, I'll tell you what. There were actually two Whoa. seat cushions on the landing. So if we... If we... Give me a point for every oh, sh- seat-related bit of a haunting, mm. then that's five. So there's, there's three seats with we on them. All go. Ghost we. Um, and two seat cushions. Yeah. And there's a big pile of feces on the floor. <laughs> Five. I'm getting five. Probably. Yeah, you get yes. five. Yes. Yeah, All right. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to take the lid off next to the mic. That's a good noise. And I'm going to I'm going to write the five right next to the microphone to celebrate in all caps. Oh, you could really hear the curl round of the yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. I did it. I did do you do the hat massive. first then? Yes, I do the hat first. Oh, I do the 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 down and then the round and then I put the little hat on him. That is a big five as well. I, do, well, I had to do it really big so the microphone could hear it. You have been listening to Lawmen. The Lawmen are Alistair Beckett-King and James Shakeshaft. If you enjoyed Lawmen, please rate and subscribe in all the usual places. But if you didn't enjoy it, we'll run over your son. Allegedly. Allegedly.